everyone, it's Holly Whitaker, and Emily McDowell is not part of this episode. Uh, When we started to do this podcast, we wanted to make sure it was sustainable for both of us, and one of the ways that we planned to make that a reality was to give each other time off and to take the lead on certain episodes. Um, This is me talking to one of my beloveds, Marley Grace, who quit so many things. Um, They were one of the first people that I thought of to have on this program uh, because of their history of quitting a lot. And most recently, Marley, when we recorded this back in February, had quit the gender binary, came out as non-binary. And we were, I think we meant to talk about that. But instead, we ended up talking a lot about our recovery, a lot about our work, about our chase for significance and legacy and importance and our mental illness. Uh, Marley had a mental breakdown that they wrote about kind of in real time earlier this year. So it's just It's a rich episode. Marley, if you don't know their work, I highly recommend that you follow their weekly newsletter, Monday Monday, which is one of my favorite things on the internet. They're a wise person and a great thinker, and I always learn from them. But just a bit about Marley. Marley is an artist, a dancer, a writer. They have a couple of books that have been published. They write this weekly newsletter. They record a podcast. They teach classes on quilting. They're a quilter. Uh, They're an entrepreneur. I mean, it's just like the list goes on and on. But mostly, again, like I said, they're just just a wise soul. And I am going to leave it at that. This is a great conversation. I hope that it serves you. Just listening back to it really helped me. Before we get into the episode, just a reminder, if this podcast serves you in any way you can help us out by rating us on apple podcasts um, by leaving us a review we deeply appreciate you just listening to this you know your downloads mean a lot your ratings your reviews that that all helps us out significantly if you would like to financially support us and um, we're a self-funded podcast that means we're not part of a network we don't take advertising dollars So if you want to help pay for this podcast, you can go and join our Patreon community at patreon.com forward slash quitted to all of you who support us in any way. Again, just with your ears or sharing it, we are very grateful. So without further ado, here is Marley Grace. Marley Grace, welcome to Quitted. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So I learned of you and your work. There were a couple of people. There was, I think, Ra- Raquel Knowles. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I think she was the first person that brought you to my attention. It was just like this period of time where everyone was like, do you know Marley Grace? And I ended up really, really confronting your work. And I don't think I knew that you were sober. Maybe I did, but I think I really confronted your work when when I was at Tempest and you were someone that was uh, a content contributor. And we were talking about your first book, How to Not Work All the Time. 
And the first thing that I remember, you're one of these people that's really confronting. And I mean that in this way of like, when I'm around you, I feel like you can see me and like see through me. And I think that that's one of your superpowers, which is that like I, we had sent you my book. I think you were part of my book tour. And I just, I knew <laughs> that you were going to hate the chapter on AA. <laughs> and also, I mean, and I could like, when we were having that first conversation around it, it was just, I don't know how to explain it, but I think that you are one of these people that like, I see you and so much of myself in you because I see how hard it is to exist in this world for you. And like through our same addiction lens, you know, I think there's a lot of like that historical thing when I'm struggling. I know what it means to be somebody that's in recovery as you are. And then I think there's also just this sense of living as honestly or as honestly as you try to means you have this superpower, I think, of just like nailing people and also nailing yourself. And that's what I love about you. And that's why I read everything you write and follow your work. I'm not into quilting, you know, Um, (laughs) or zines, Um, you know, and you're like a zine quilter, like very, very rad artist and dancer and many things. You're a (laughs) multi-hyphenate. And and you're also just one of these people that I love because of this, it, like the crater of it is like, you just can't help but tell the truth. And so I'm excited to have this conversation because everything you say just is, is gold. And because also, as we talked about with Liz Gilbert on our last episode with her, you're also a black diamond quitter. You quit a lot of shit. So that's a lot. Anyway, double, double black diamond, double black diamond. Oh my God. No, I mean, you really are like, yeah, you are like a, you're a quitter's quitter. That was a hell of an introduction, Holly. Thank you. Yeah. You follow that up. (laughs) I'm like, where, where do you, where do you go from there? I mean, so let's just start with this. So I think like you and I, as we were talking about this episode, there's a lot of stuff that you can talk about having quit And I think like, let's just dive into it because I actually, let me start with this. The first question I have for you is like, is this listing off all the things that you've quit? You want to list them off real quick? Sure. Let's see. I quit drinking. I quit. That was the big one. That's the classic. That's the, that's the obvious. (laughs) That's the one I've, (laughs) that's the one I've done most consistently for almost 11 years is that one. Um, I quit a marriage quit a few relationships since then, quit being straight. I was never really straight. Quit. Maybe I quit more conventional heteronormativity. Sure. Yeah. Um, I quit many businesses, many spaces. I quit living in Michigan. Then I quit living in California. Then I quit living in Michigan again. I quit the, the binary gender. I quit right now. Yeah. Am I missing anything? Those are the big ones. Yeah. I mean, you quit workaholism, right? You wrote a whole yeah, book about that. Yeah. Um, you have gone off and on and off of social media. Yeah. And I quit Instagram, really, came yes. back, <laughs> quit it, quit it every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and then you also sent me a list of things that you wanted to talk about. And it's this, uh, I'm thinking a lot about quitting, thinking about the past and trying to predict the future, quitting low self-esteem and hating myself quitting under earning, quitting staying small and quitting public dating. 
And then you said, I love these rings. And I don't know what that meant. Um, anyway, so the question I have to start with is, do you think you are a habitual quitter? Like, do you think that like for me, quitting is more comfortable? Walking away is is like my favorite part of anything and watching the like like the immediate impact of an explosion, not what comes directly after, like not like the the horrible in-between parts or like the mess that's created or the whatever. But I really like the endings and I feel like I am it for me, I'm more comfortable in walking away than I am in any other situation. And I wonder if you feel that way and if you feel like that's a strength or if that's like a liability. All right. This is a great list. I'm like at the risk of not publicly dating on this podcast. I'm like the <laughs> the thing that's so interesting is in my last relationship, I actually stayed really long, like maybe far past what one might consider the quitting point, like far yeah. past the point one might say, maybe you should consider quitting at this point. Yeah. And I wasn't the quitter. The other person quit. And what a gift right now, as I sit here a month later, but month and a half, but I feel like, which is sort of what brought me to the, like, I would actually like to quit hating myself, low self-esteem sort of, I'm actually sort of like, what are the things I could currently stand to quit so that I am better equipped to quit next time that Hmm. the situation is maybe showing me quitting is, is a, is an option. And it was so interesting. I mean, one of my favorite parts about quitting my marriage is now I have the best ex-husband you could ask for. And the other day, sort of like in some real despair about the ending of this, my most recent romantic relationship, he was who I called. And, you know, he reminded me that when we quit our marriage, it was actually, it was very different. It actually never felt like quitting, which I think is something ever since you invited me, I've been sort of thinking about like the difference between like an ending, a sunset, quitting, leaving, escaping, running from running towards like all the different sort of layers that exist in that. And I was talking to him and he was like, you know, we really like slowly kind of like untied from each other. And this last ending felt like a real quit. And that's can also, um, punch the ego a little bit, I think for me. And a lot of those other things, you know, especially like coming out and being queer and a lot of stuff around gender in the last few months, I think I'm not a fast quitter. Like it's, it's actually Mm -hmm. very like, takes me a pretty long time to get there. But then I think once I do, it's sort of that like confronting thing you were talking about in the beginning. It's like, I'm so committed to the next part. What's on the, I'm so deeply committed to what's on the other side of quitting that it's, it's really intense for people. I think that's where I, I lovingly name myself a tornado person, or it's really intense for people Mm -hmm. because I'm like, Oh, I fucking quit that. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, even though what the process to get to the quitting, I'm maybe more quiet about and private about, um, those are my first thoughts here. So I think the so I think it's like let's start with this. When you said that you have, you know, I read about you and your ex husband, right? I mean, from what you shared, and I think what I from my what I remember is it was more on him, and you felt like it was not over for you. Then you mm-hmm. got over mm-hmm. it, and then mm-hmm. it wasn't over for him. 
<laughs> and it was over for you. And like you had this, I thought that was really interesting, but I think there, but there still was, right? And I think in this, of trying to say like, of course there are different like energies we bring to things. Like we might leave early. We might leave way too late. We might leave irrationally. We might have put, you know, pro and cons lists together and sat with it and sat with it and, and, and talked to everybody about it. But I think when I think of it, it there still is a point in time where you you give up on 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 a an incarnation, right? Like you give up on a thing that's a part of your identity and a part of like your your daily world. And in this case, you're saying that like that relationship was not a quit. It was not so much what you would define as quitting. And does that just mean like because you took it to its it ran its natural course and maybe this recent relationship didn't run its natural like what's the difference i think that's yeah an interesting point i think there's wow i've been in michigan for like a month and a half and just really heard the midwest accent i was like (laughs) i think there's um i feel like there is to me it's always like this question of like how many tools is everyone picking up and this could be in a friendship that is shifting in work relationships it doesn't just have to be like a domestic partnership um oh, the, oh that's the other thing i've quit monogamy quite a few times right. yeah, <laughs> for better about, or yes. worse but yeah. then you also said you were potentially going to quit non-monogamy yeah, I, my new joke is I'm now a monogamy activist, which don't ever, <laughs> never, no one quote me on that um, ever. Um, no, that's just not true. Um, but, you know, I feel like, yeah, there's a, because um, I think this happens with like grief in a lot of ways is, or looking back on a few of my like longer term relationships is like when there's an ending that's actually far before the ending and where am I sometimes responsible for like that? I kept it going when maybe I missed my cue. I like missed my exit stage left and I'm like really committed to finishing the choreography here. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like there's one more costume change. And so I'm sort of bringing these people along with me who are like, whew, okay. And then they're exhausted at the end and they're like, bye. And I'm like, we had many more acts. Um, And that is part of the like deep acceptance of the mystery. It's like, there's always a few more acts to go. Like we can always, we can always go into, into what misery are we going to be committed to, to, to keep going. And so, um, I'm grateful for those who have quit before me right now. I truly am. Um, and, or who like quit when I couldn't, I think is some of the gratitude I'm in today. So in your relationship with your husband, it was, it was just like it, like the, like like you both went through the exact number of acts that you thought was appropriate and then both moved on in, in some kind of like when it was done, there wasn't a pull, a pulling along that I'm trying, I guess I'm trying to get into like what the thing that you said originally, which was, whatever that was felt like it came to its natural conclusion. And there wasn't this sense of, I like, it almost feels like you're talking about a misalignment and timing or like a, like a non-synchronous, like, and I, I'm asking this just because Emily and I did this podcast that we're going to probably never publish um, where we were, or no, we were like trying to workshop this podcast about like, we called it like, t- like um, time of death. And we were trying to figure out like, our like this natural history of our of our endings and 
like when it, we knew it, something was over versus when we acted on being something over and we real we were just all over the map in this. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a really interesting place to like to think about because if you're trying to like talk about like how do you know when something's over or create this like idea of like creating bravery around you giving up an identity or whatever it is. I think that there's not what I have found in doing this is that I'm more confused now by like how things come apart and when we decide to leave something versus what I thought about before I started talking about it. Okay. I don't know if this exactly answers it, but what's coming to mind is the two different ways of quitting to me, which are either one is sort of the way that my marriage ended, which was just like very slow and like taking apart the different things that didn't work. And it was this, I mean, to use the like dance performance metaphor again, it was like this slow fade out. It was like the light slowly faded out. And in my last relationship, it was just like blackout. It was yeah. like we were in the middle of act two and I I think we I think intermission <laughs> happened, but I thought there was another act and it was just like done. And it was like, yeah. whoa. Um, and I don't think that one is like better than I wanna be clear. I'm, right. I'm also trying to like do my best to speak from my experience, not these other people I've been in a relationship with them. And then branching out to all the other things I've quit, it's sort of the same. It's like I'm either slowly I'm, there's not much I'm really slowly teasing apart. I would say for the most part, it's like a pretty quick, um, cut and then we're out. So, yeah, yeah. no, I mean, I think what's so interesting about it is that there are just all kinds of different endings. And I think like what's so fascinating about it is they're really for me. And what I think is true for you is that they're, they're like extreme learning opportunities. And I think that we can, when we have like endings that feel like they're extremely in sync and like everything goes as we would expect them to go. And it's like a shuddering of a chapter of your life. And there's like some kind of ritual around it, right? Or some kind of like thing around it that helps it make sense and helps us integrate it. You know, there's value to that. But I think there's also a lot of value to things that like just come to a screeching halt And the entire like bottom drops out and you are just totally tossed to the waves. And I think that that's something close to what you're saying you recently experienced, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think, can you talk a little bit about like, which for you, like, have you learned more from the things that were like, really, really like synchronous and like, you know, like as good as they could be for like the, you know, or, or paid as much like honor to whatever it was that came before or were the things that were most impactful to you, like the things that just were kind of horrible, right? Like quitting drinking, <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. Gosh. I feel like the, you know, something that you said right in the beginning, which really like softened me and made me feel seen was something like we are people who like have a really hard time in the world. And I don't think I like phrase it that way for myself a lot of the time. I'm like, I'm, I'm so chronically like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. You know? Um, and yet, yet, like you said, I also can't help but tell the truth. So in my writing, it's very clear. I'm not, I'm not fine in the world yet. I, I convince myself I perhaps am. And I think definitely in this specific scenario, I spent the last few years really sort of like tending to a partnership first and not myself first. And so I think that that was something I was then working on in my work and in my partnership was like, okay, how do I, 
not put this first and really like be putting myself first, my relationship with myself first. And I, I don't want to say I couldn't, but it was definitely like part of the bottom falling out and like just getting rid of almost everything I owned and moving back to Michigan was, yeah, the last month and a half has definitely been a really serious process of like, oh, that I can never let that happen again in that extreme of a way like that. That's just not, um, sustainable. Like that will take me down. Like that one almost killed me more than I would almost dare to say more than drinking did was the like addiction to what I wanted this outcome to be. And now a month and a half later, I couldn't be more grateful for the outcome, even though I'm still deeply, deeply uncomfortable and unsatisfied. And I'm just a little bit like, what is life and having my own existential crisis. But I know that whatever is like next and I'm on my way to is going to be much better than the sort of like addiction to what I think I want when I'm not actually paying attention to if it's correct or not. Well, and I think what's so interesting, just knowing you reading your reading, you know, again, like, I mean that like the world is just I think like anybody that's that's awake for this, you, you know, is yeah. I think going to get beat up by it, right? Like yeah. especially anybody that's continuously like removing all of their numbing tools. And I don't think it's like you struggle, you know, but it's like right. I think that we won't settle, right? Like we're not going to settle for being in this world in a way that doesn't feel authentic. And that the, like the price of that is like getting bruised. And I think what you just described, right? That this was harder than quitting drinking or that this was a different experience for you that was more amplified. I wonder if it's also because you have gone through, like you're in recovery, you're 11 years in recovery, right? And I'm wondering if you just thought like, maybe you wouldn't feel this fucked up like at this point. Like, do you you think that that gives you like this additional sense of like shame and makes everything that you experience worse. Yes. Oh my God. For anyone listening, I have, I just like rolled my eyes and my head all the way to the back of my brain. Um, I mean, yeah, this year, I mean, even through my divorce, there was really, there was maybe one moment where I was like, Oh man, drinking would really help this. But it was like, I didn't have like a physical craving or like really think about it. And through this process really last fall, the, those, the last five months of last year, I desperately wanted to drink. I was like, mm-hmm. I want to drink. It wasn't like, mm, drinking used to help it was like a very visceral real feeling of like you know i try to honor alcohol in the way that like it works it it works yeah you want to feel nothing it works it works absolutely great for that you will stop feeling and you'll black out and um i wanted to not feel anything it was so painful i mean it was the whole time was like the pain of knowing it was time to quit was so much more painful than just quitting. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Right, because like you stand to lose every, like the idea that like you have to give up this identity is the most, I think the hardest thing to overcome, right? Yes, yes. And I think there was like a cockiness that came with a decade sober that I've really had to like tend to a little bit the last few months of being like, you know, I really 
try, you know, and I've sat in rooms with enough people to know that when we like flit away on our recovery, it doesn't matter if you have 30 years, like you want to drink, you just drink. (laughs) Like, it's like, what is my spiritual condition only for today is how I'm going to not drink only for today. And I had to ask for so much help and, um, I'm glad I did. And I'm really glad I didn't drink. And it feels, it feels truly like a miracle that I did not. I'll tell you that. And what you're saying is basically like to translate that, what you're saying is you have to keep working your recovery. Otherwise, I mean, and I feel like I feel I did a recommitment ceremony to my recovery, um, recently. And I, because I needed to, I think that like, I don't believe in, a lot of like we you and I have very different ways of like maintaining our recovery and very similar ways too but I don't I'm not in fellowship I don't go to meetings I also don't believe in one day at a time and I'm also not afraid of relapse meaning that's not the worst thing that I think could happen to me and I don't think people go back and like I have a lot of thinking around it that is not necessarily typical and I also started to feel myself maybe like six or seven months ago because I just didn't care. And I think there's just that piece of it, which I think is like recovery kind of keeps you engaged in this baseline of caring about your own life and like, and, and being able to have like some kind of perspective because without it, you just go back into this idea of like, what is the fucking point? Mm -hmm. Like, why aren't we fucked up all the time? And I think that that was the line I started to tread really close against of like, what the fuck is the point? And does it even matter? And then on top of that, just having this sense of feeling like I have what, I don't don't even know anymore. It'll be nine years in April. And I think that there is this sense of like remembering that, like, it's always going to feel like beginners. It should always feel like, I think that there is like a real seduction of like believing that there's mastery Mm. in recovery and feeling like you, you are, kind of like going through a video game of leveling up and then when you're not there and you're just a fucking shell of a person and a total mess and you've forgotten everything you've ever known it's really humbling and I've deluded myself plenty of times into believing I shouldn't be experiencing this anymore I'm at a level seven I'm not at a level three or level one yeah I mean I think first of all I love I've always loved all the ways that we're the same and different in our recoveries. Um, and I do too. yeah, I feel like for me, the, it's less like that. I it, just in that drinking had, have, have like a fear of relapse as much as like, I, um, do know that alcohol will kill me if I drink it. I don't have a question about that. So for yeah. me, it's like, I, I yeah. really subscribe to the like, to drink is to die. I don't think I have a chance of being here very long if I pick up a drink. I think by the time I'm picking up a drink, my will, my personal will to live has plummeted. And I will either drive my car into a tree, take my own life, or drink myself to death. I don't, that's not, that's not far mm. from one drink to me. So I think that was what kept me not drinking was like, Mm. I could feel something in me that was like, this isn't over quite yet. Let's just see if we can get to the other side. But yeah, I think the shame around like, this shouldn't be so painful. I shouldn't have like, I think specifically around like the codependency that was happening in my relationship. I was just like, 
I should know better. Like I have worked so hard on this part of myself. How in the hell did this happen? S- worse than any other time ever. Um, yeah. And to yeah. just have, I think now on the other side, just to have some faith that like my higher power had some plan to be like, it. I you don't learn very quick, Mar. So like we kind of had to like make it really hurt this time. <laughs> <laughs> to like make it so you don't fucking do that again. Um, and I hear that. And yeah, I yeah. think that's, that's the other yeah. part that is like, yeah, I have to learn stuff that way, which is the bane of my existence. And I've accepted at some point along the way. So, Well, I think it's really, like, so we're talking about quitting, right? And I think like to, to kind of like pull this in, cause this is where I want to go with this, which is that I think like what you just went through it feels not different than the experience that I had. You know, my lover was a company and my lover was mm. like a business yeah. I built. And my, like, we were in a very toxic relationship and then my lover kicked me <laughs> out the door, you know? And I had mm. this like call with a, an intuitive and she said, um, she had no idea what my background. And she said, I'm talking to your business group of angels. And then I'm talking to your writing group of angels and they're coming together and saying, sorry, for what happened. And she was like, is there an incident that happened? And I was like, oh, yes. And she was like, well, they said you had made you had made good faith movements towards leaving, but you weren't going to walk out the door. So they had to do a little something more. And she's like, and I can see it. And they're like coming together and they're sitting at a big table together. Anyway, the whole point was, I feel like I don't get messages sometimes. And like, they really sometimes have to hurt. So I understand what you're saying. And I think that in those moments when you get something that's just like you're kicked out of an identity, right? Like this just kicked you out of it. It kicked you out of a city. Mm -hmm. It kicked you out of an identity. Mm -hmm. And also there was like extreme psychological distress that was involved. Like, you know, it was like, it was really fucked up. And I think that, and and I'm not saying it was really fucked up or you're really fucked up, but I'm just saying I read, I was there. I read the story wrote. I, you know, I, I had to like take it in chunks because it was so personal. And I understand. It's just like you have that moment. And for me, I was at, I went back to my mom's house and I was like just walking around in a robe and also like an actual relationship ended at the time. And I just was not showering and I didn't really tell my mom that I was getting like fired from my company. And like, and like she wouldn't understand either because she's like 80. And, and I just was like pretending like everything was fine. And I just, but what I kept on seeing was just like Alice in Wonderland, like just falling down a hole. And I think that when I have had to look at this over a a year, right, and really try and make sense of like, fuck, my whole life just imploded. And I'm like spit out into this totally other life and I barely have a chance, you know, like I have like hibernation sickness. And like, I think that you wrote something really wise about this because for me, what it felt like was it was at first was so regressive, Mm. like that I had not learned anything at all. And I was starting back at square one and I was making the same stupid mistakes. And you write in your book, Getting to Center, which nobody can see because this isn't a video. So I don't know. I just showed it. Um, There is a part of not knowing that can also call us into deeper knowing. If I don't know something about myself, about how I walk through the world, it may be time to know it deeper. And so I think like that's such a simple thing, right? Which is that uh, you're saying here, oh, I don't know something about myself this time to go deeper. And when I think about like what just happened to you and then what happened to me a year ago, I clearly didn't know something about myself. And I had to get a really brutal lesson in order to like search deeper. 
And I think that oftentimes when we get thrown out of an identity, we're not thinking that. And can you just talk about that a little bit about how being lost and feeling like we don't know who the fuck we are anymore is actually some kind of design? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, God, I love when someone reads me my own writing back to me and I'm like, that is whom, whom wrote that. That was so smart. Yeah. They're they're so smart. smart. I love that. So smart. So I feel like the knowing, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely like, especially like in my winter cottage hibernation here is very like, I, I wake up every morning and like, look at my dog and I'm like, who are we? I'm, I'm truly like, what do, what do we do? Who are we now? Like so much of, I mean, I think I, maybe I'm opening up a whole other can of worms or maybe you just opened it for me, <laughs> but it's like, when am I staying in something because of how much my identity is tied to it? I mean, what better than to have like a hot, cool, queer relationship with your dog where you live in the woods, you know, it's like, that was so much a part of like, that's part of who I am. It's part of what I'm exploring publicly. It's part of why I'm quitting public dating. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I feel like that is what I'm sort of reckoning with is like how much of my identity was just wrapped into my relationship or what I was projecting about my relationship to the world when what was happening inside was much more fraught and, and not really like in alignment. So yeah, I feel like it's been, we're sort of talking at such a beautiful day at, I will also share for all the astrology heads out there. Um, we're recording this just like a few days ahead i think tomorrow technically um or within the next 48 hours venus the venus retrograde shadow ends so it ended at the end of january but like i went through this breakup like while you know this this planet that rules our relationships was retrograding and so i feel like as we're recording this today i'm sort of like getting spit out with a like a just a little more hope today around like, oh, this is actually great that I'm so such an open channel for no not knowing what's next. And I want to quickly actually say about something that I read today that you wrote, which reminds me of all of this is like parts work that I've been working on with my therapist for the last few years, but is this thing that you wrote about like, this worth, like talking to this part of yourself that like feels worthless. And I've been loving reading Ruthie's work also and getting to know her and just (laughs) feel so many good things about that person. But um, of like, how do we invite the worthless part up with us to be like, oh no, you can come hang out with us too. And like you being like, and she wears a robe and she does the, and I'm going to take her hand. And like, you know, it's like, that's, I think sort of part of the self work that I have quit many times because it's so overwhelming and sort of coming out of this relationship. It's really clear to me, like, I can't really afford to keep putting that part of me like in the trunk and locking it and being like, you suck and bring me down. So if you could just not say anything forever, that would be great. And then that part of me just like, is very strong and smart and relentless and will unlock the trunk yet again and drive the car. (laughs) And um, (laughs) I would like to be driving myself. So, yes. 
Well, I want to put a pin in that because I want to talk more about that because that is what you said, which is one of the things you said was quitting, you know, worthlessness and, you know, this extreme amount of self-criticism. But one of the things that you just said that I think is so interesting that I have still not yet really quite figured out, which is when you're not embodying an identity, right? When for me, work was just, it was so much what I did for a living was like, there was the partier me and the work in tech me. And then, you know, like there was San Francisco me, and then there was early recovery, early sobriety me. And then there was, you know, hip sobriety me, and then there was quit like a woman me and tempest me. And then all of a sudden it just kind of like, it just went away. And one of the things that felt so, de- so like deeply uncomfortable was just not, if I don't have those things, what's the point and who am I? And I think what you just said is you're, you're waking up, you're in this space right now. And if you're not any of these things, right? Like when you wake up and you're just, you know, like having a, I don't know what you said, a queer love fest in the forest with your dog. Like if it's just you and your dog in the woods, it's like, how do you deal with that? Like unmoored self of just letting yourself not like grab hold of these really grounding and heavy identities that like keep you locked into this reality. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I had an amazing quilt class student, Jessie Ratto, who I had a few like sort of like one-on-one sessions with. She does some like art. She's a therapist and does art therapy. And she gave me this, this phrase, holy vacancy, which I have just like loved using and just really being like, what if we tried to be, it's very, it's very Zen. It's very Dharma. It's like, what if we just tried to be nothing? Like, what if I was just nothing? Like, what if my hope today was just nothingness and like just this holy vacancy of my body and I am just have no tie to like all of these different identities. And when I can access that, it's so it's deeply freeing because I think another thing I'm working on quitting is like my absolutely unattainable expectations of myself that clearly keep me, I think a pretty driven person, but also keep me in the like self-hatred and critique of, I saw I'm my rising sign is Virgo. And I saw a meme the other day that was like a Virgo after completing something to 98%. And the phrase is like, I have failed everyone. It's like, yeah, that's how (laughs) it's like, I will, it's just really hard for me to like, be like, good job, Marley. Like really way to go. Like you did the thing. It's just like, you did the thing 10 minutes late. You did the thing, not good enough. And, um, so that's something I'm both trying to quit and trying to remember that there's like, I really think, I actually think this about our friendship, Holly, about how much like, I and we've, for those listening, we've spoken about this, but it's like, you know, I hate some of the things you've written, like not just disagree with, but we throw books across the room. But it's like, I actually don't really give that much of a fuck about your book. Like I, I love your newsletter right now. But it's like, what I'm trying to say is I love the essence of Holly. 
Like, I just love you. Mm. I love what you text me about. I love the way you talk about pasta. I love the way your little curl sits on your headphone. Like, I love the way you think about being a person and and buying a house and the way the angle that your the tree falls on your car. Like that's what I love about you. And that's, I think that about so many of my friends that I'm like, you could never write another book again. And I would not be like, "Mm, Holly really lost her flow. Like Holly really lost touch there. Like I am like, I'm not, I'm not pushing the identity or even work of the people I feel like now I want to backtrack to be like, you also deeply inspire me with your writing. But it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I feel <laughs> I, do, I know exactly like, what you're saying. Like, our, I, my worth it to you is not predicated correct. on my correct. output. And it never In has fact, been. In fact, I don't even yeah. have to like what the people I love make to – No, you, you can, can hate, hate it. it. Exactly. <laughs> like, I joke sometimes that, like – my best friends, I hope, don't follow me on the internet. I'm like, this is not for you. Like, this is for very no, different people. No. This is actually often some of it, it as even in the way that you're like, I am not into quilting and zines. It's like, and there's different parts of my identity that are for some people and not That's for right. other people. There's people who I'm sure hate my dancing are like, I wish this person would stop dancing to Justin Bieber constantly and showing us, <laughs> but love my books. You know, it's Ooh, like, what? I don't know. Yeah, I know. So, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I totally get it. And I think what you just said is so, I mean, it's just so brilliant because I think one one of the things that you said like a few minutes ago, and this is like the heart of it, right? Which was when I was leaving Tempest, like the, like the first part of it, when I was like going through and replacing myself as CEO, I had so many different conversations. And for me, I think like it's the same thing of like when you run a recovery organization, I don't think Bill W ever wanted to be as famous as he is. And I think that like he created something with this like really pure spirit that of like, and that was revolutionary, but that like anything else, once you, once it moves beyond you, you know, and it it changes, it becomes not yours. And I think that I knew I wanted to, I think I, I didn't start out wanting to be insignificant. You know, (laughs) I think that I didn't get into what I was doing to like gain significance, but I also didn't mind like the like the visible aspects of like b- the the platforms I would stand on right and I think that over time I really hated it and I really became concerned about being like just the amount like the the like that people would pledge to me or that people like people would love me and hate me and that there was so much and I just didn't you know what I mean I'm just over here trying to like do mm-hmm. something and mm-hmm. I don't want that and I think that what I'm saying is I was, I, I started to have conversations and I remember having these conversations with like one of my dear friends and he's like worked at an extremely successful tech company for, you know, decades. And I remember we were having this conversation. I said something to him and I said, I just want to become no one. And I mean that, like, I want to, I don't, I want to not have a legacy. I want to like, and I mean this in like this sense of like, in the sense of like, for what are we wanting? What do we like? What is going to like actually give our soul ease? And it started to become I was super into Ram Dass at the time, <laughs> but like it was like Ram Dass, and there was this oh Anthony DeMello, and I just 
I kept on reading over and over just about how we should want to become no one, right? And it's like John Keats, right? Like, you know, here lies somebody whose name was writ in water, right? Which is just like, leave no trace behind. You're just a chain. You're just a link in a chain. And so I think that when you were just saying that of being no one, right? Of like, what does that mean if we don't have to be anybody? We just get to be here. We just get to look like to, to like fuck Mm -hmm. up you know, and like put our quilts out and our zines out and our books out and our newsletters out and dance to Justin Bieber and like look at birds and like pet dogs and like, you know, make out. And, and we don't have to worry about leaving behind. Like we don't have to worry about our our pictures hanging on walls or our books sitting in libraries or whatever it is that like we're so worried about or, or that we're told we should be so worried about. So thank you. I really appreciate you saying that because what you're talking about is in practice and what I'm talking about is in theory and in practice you're saying I don't have to be anyone no I think that's exactly it I definitely have a little more like connection maybe to I don't know I this doesn't feel formed but I'm I am curious the one thing I was like ooh, is like no I think we should leave a legacy but I don't have that formed beyond that. That was the one thing I was like, no, I would like to leave, which is interesting. It is because I'm, I'm really with you on that. That like, how do I be no one? But how, I mean, the thing that I was working on writing about today is like, you know, really praying to just be of service every morning to be, you know, is to be like, why do I do my job? And, and at the end of the day, well, one, I don't really feel like I have a choice. I don't really feel like I picked my job. I feel very like, spirit led in, in, in like in not a, a new age way. And like, a I love very that you're calling it a factual. job because it's what you created. Yeah. It's literally like you do what you are good at and what yes, you love doing. I love that. I was, re- I recently went through, well, I'm actually one week away from finishing it. Oh, it's right here. I'll, I'll also show the screen that no one can read, but it's finding water, which is a um, <laughs> Julia Cameron artist way. Like Julia Cameron. And um, in this this version of the artist way, she talks about like, if you're a working artist, just be like, it's a job. Like it actually helps me to, instead of, I think to, um, you know, it's like, does a, does a plumber wake up and think like, wow, like, how am I going to fit those pipes together today? And will it look right? And I mean, maybe, maybe I, I think there could absolutely be perfectionism in these sort of other jobs that we don't like quote think as creative, but it's like, those people are going to fucking work and like doing their jobs. And so I think I sometimes try to quit like the sort of romantization or like this heady dramatic, like I am this like queer writer, non-binary dancer, artist person. It's like, no, I just have to get up and do my fucking job today. It's Monday. The newsletter comes out Monday. It's time to do my job today. And then I'm gifted that in within that job, I get to write about not wanting to write or whatever I want to write about. But um, I don't know where I was going with that. But yep, the leg. Well, you started off by talking about the legacy thing, and I think it's something to like think about because I like I would love to hear further thoughts about it because and I think about it and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, right? Like in my own thinking of just like, but to me, it feels really freeing. It's like I love it. I think it's this idea that like you are not responsible for like making sure that your shadow is longer than your life. And like, you don't have to like, like you can actually just be here 
and you can actually just experience life and you don't have to like make sure whatever you're doing is going to like make sure people remember you or, you know, honor you in a specific way when you're not even here that like, cause you're gone. And so I think it's a very like present kind of thing. And Elizabeth Lesser who wrote Cassandra Speaks wrote about it. Um, and I loved what she had to say about it and I'd never thought about it before, but, um, before we leave, I want to talk about two things. And I think like what's so fascinating to me is that when I see you, as I've always seen you, you are a shiny, bright, big person. And it's very, it's very interesting to know. I mean, like one, to know um, when you wrote that article about having a breakdown, right? It's the most important thing you've ever read or written. Um, and I think that because I would never write that and I would write a lot of things, but the reason I would never write that is because it would just be inviting in so much doubt from other people, right? Of like, Oh God, you're really teetering on it. You know, I think that like, for me, one of the things that I have always hated the most is this idea that because of my mental health struggles, or my addictions, that I am a person that's fragile and might break. And I think that what's so amazing and brave about you is that you are really willing to, like I, when you wrote that, I just, I couldn't believe you did it, right? Because I would just, I feel like it would invite so much unwanted feedback. So before we go, I just want to talk about like, can you just talk a little bit about that article and like how writing about, because the article is titled what to do. Can you, how to survive a breakdown to do when you're having, how to survive a breakdown, how to survive a breakdown. Yeah. And I think it's this piece of like mental health stuff. We don't talk about a lot because we talk about it after you're kind of talking about it like in real time. Right. I can't believe I wrote that either. I definitely, um, okay. yeah, I, that, that one stick that sticks out to me in my writing a hundred percent, because as like a truth teller, very personal writing, I'm at least a few weeks out generally of whatever I'm at least wrapping a little bit of a bow around something. Um, which is, yeah, I'm like, I have a diary for a reason, <laughs> you know, it's like, I have, that I have a therapist and my morning pages. So that the newsletter is a little more of like a message. And I think it was such a, yeah, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about like, do I, am, do I choose this as my job? Like, I don't always really feel like I'm choosing what is to be shared that week. It feels like I get a couple hits of like, what could possibly be the theme of the week in my newsletter. And then I can choose from those, choose my own adventure, and then sort of distill it in a way that makes sense for the people. And with that, it was like, I mean, I wrote it and I was just like, because I also in my sort of multi hyphenate way, I was also in the middle of actively teaching three different groups of quilters, 120 different quilters, like, and so I take my job as a teacher really seriously. And I was like, literally calling hospitals to be like, how long is your ER wait? I, I'm, I'm, I think I want to die. And then 
opening a Zoom room and being like, welcome to week three of A Quilt of Something Human. I mean, I was literally like doing both and was, I did ask myself the question of like, I don't know if ethics is the right word, but of like how I'm not just a writer. I am like also holding space for all of these students who paid me to be their quilt teacher. And what is the responsibility of being a teacher or a facilitator in, in that way of that container. And, um, I think that I've been really lucky or, you know, I don't love to use the word lucky, but it's like, I've really cultivated a group of people who want to take my classes who are not afraid of my mind. And I really try to do that in my relationships as well people who are not afraid. Like I want to be able to call someone and be like, I want a drink and them to be like, cool, that, that makes sense. It would make sense that you're going through what you're going through. and want to drink. I can't, I don't want to call somebody who's like, holy shit, like, uh, and starts panicking. It's like, it's kind of the same thing that I feel like my readers and my students are like, cool. And okay. This is also actually tying back into like, the legacy part of it is like, I think legacy just can never come first, right? It's like, I can't make work thinking, will this leave a legacy? Because then I'm going to be frozen. It's like, I don't write that and think, I hope this saved somebody's life today. But did at least 20 emails come back that were like, oh, cool. I will also not kill myself today. I was like, great. Right. That's like the, when I show up to tell the truth, other people stay here too. Like I just, I pray to be of service, but I don't like try to play out the outcome of what other people will experience when they read it. Because that's, I think, like you said, is where I can get frozen. If I'm too like, well, what if somebody thinks I'm crazy. What if they, and then, and for me, I was like, I am fucking crazy. I just had a complete and total mental breakdown. So I guess if they think I'm crazy, they're pretty much on track with how I'm feeling. Um, They're accurate. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, when I read it, I have been so fucked up and I think it's just, I read it and I knew where you were at and I have had a really serious history of of mental illness, right? And I have I have been in really scary places before and I've never been suicidal, but though I know how I also feel like I'm not far from that, you know? And I think but mostly I have been very scared of my mind and that's it. Like it's just for me, it's just, you know, I've I've had agoraphobia, I've had like severe pa- like panic disorder, I've had you know, times where I couldn't leave the house. And what was so big for me in my own process of healing was turning a corner on being afraid of what I might do, right? And I think that what this last year has really opened up for me, and and it's been a long time since I've been afraid of myself. Like when I stopped drinking and using drugs, that was it, you know? Like it was just, I wasn't, I got strong, I got stronger in a way I'd never been before, And whatever I've experienced this past year has been so close to feeling like that. And when I read it, it felt like someone was telling the truth. You know, it just felt like you were just telling the truth that I know I needed to hear, which was like, if these things are going on for you, do not wait to ask for help. 
fucking yes. get help. And yes. I think there's such a pride factor in what we will, especially if we have years of healing under our belt, we will be, we, there's so much pride that can cloud or get in the way of our, our, our ability to like ask for fucking help. And I think what was so great about it was you have a track record of being a very wise together healing kind of person. And also just that piece of it, which was I needed to ask for help. And mm -hmm. so if we're talking about quitting, we're talking about like really giving up this need to be to be prideful. I think it's pride, right? Like I think it's like it's just yeah. being a human is humbling as fuck. And like being able to ask for help is like such a brave and subversive thing that so few of us do. And that's why I thought it was really important. Thanks. Yeah. So my dear friend, there's so much I would want to like take from your brain um, and give it to everyone listening, but I also want to respect their time. Um, so follow Marley Grace. Their stub stack is, um, I think it's marleygrace.substack.com. I'm when pretty it's sure it is. Okay. I, I think that's 100% percent we We'll it. link to it in the show notes. But I think it's M-A-R-L-E-E-G-R-A-C-E dot substack dot com. Marley sends out a newsletter called Monday Monday. They also send out a podcast that's called mm -hmm. Saturday Saturday. Yes, yes. No. no <laughs> yes, yes. Is it? Yes, I actually, yes. Maybe I should call it Saturday Saturday, honestly. <laughs> that can be a, that can be a new one. That's good. Like yes. Um, and <laughs> also you can follow Marley on Instagram. They also have quilting classes, an epic newsletter class. I mean, just so much stuff, like such a gifted, Thanks. talented, beautiful, lovely human. Um, thank you for being here. Thanks, Holly. Thanks for having me. This was fun. You've been listening to Quitted, a podcast about quitting. Hosted by Holly Whitaker and Emily McDowell. Our music is by Michael Blumenfeld. Our sound engineer is Adam Day. And our producer is Kathleen Kissich. Quitted is made possible by us and by our listeners. To support the show, join our patron community at patreon.com forward slash quitted. <laughs>